Welcome to the Cornerstone Truth New Creation Podcast. Each week we'll explore fundamental truths about the genuine love of Christ being manifest through His people, the Church. During these studies, we will discover that the sincere love of Christ flows from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. This is the goal of our instruction, and we are so thankful you're listening today. Well, let's begin this evening, the power of His presence, God's love, part one. And you're going, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, God's love, part one. We know what that means. (laughs) Actually, to set your minds at ease, it's really focusing on the power of God's presence in us. And really, His love manifest uh, through us because of His presence is the greatest. And yet, there are a multitude of other manifestations of God's presence in our lives that can radically change our world. So, with that, you want me to move over here so you're focused away from the sun? I can do that. Would that help a little bit anyway? Okay. No, it's fine with me. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good point. Thank you. Appreciate that. So the, <laughs> the, the power of his presence, God's love. And this is the first of many, uh, examples of his power because he dwells within us. And, uh, I think it's so timely that we're doing this. Um, I kind of wonder sometimes if, if the devil really does go, you know what? That's a very important subject that People have really not talked about the importance of it, and uh, we're just going to shut that down. Now you're saying, well, that's silly. It's just a a series of lessons. Well, honestly, um, you know, there's still people that are texting us from Oregon Family Camp, and this is not tooting my own horn. It's God's fault that he chose to be present in us, and the embodiment of himself is the church. It's, It's really who he is working through us, and you know what? If Christians don't know that, they're ineffective as the army of God. And uh, Satan trembles uh, when he recognizes a Christian, knows who they are, and knows the power that they have, really, to influence other hearts and draw them in. You see, our bodies were created to glorify God. And God knows that. He knows that every human being has the potential power to glorify God in his body, and thus set all of the world free, and so he hates every single human being. So when uh, a church body, an individual, a collective group of people all of a sudden start realizing the potential and power that we have, Satan hates that and wants to shut it down. And that's one of the reasons why um, I'm, I'm really wondering if we should just not go with what the law says if Kate Brown shuts it all down and everybody's got a hunker in their bunker, uh, you know, I'll, I'll call people and let them ask them what they think. But it really bothers me that Satan is trying to separate us. Because remember what presence is? Presence is eyeball to eyeball. There is a profound purpose in coming together, physically coming together. And, uh, and mentally and thoughtfully coming together. You know, when you see someone's face and you see their countenance, there's a lot being spoken there, isn't there? And you can really tell. 
And you can draw near if you see there is something that, that you need to be for a brother or sister in Christ. That's powerful. So physical presence, but more importantly, the cognitive and thoughtful presence. And then even going a step further, you know the emotional presence? The emotional presence, that personal, one-on-one, heart-to-heart, recognizing there's a struggle, coming alongside, listening and responding. There's power in that. And so the devil can't. Uh, you know, distract or discourage if there's that kind of relationship going on in the body of Christ. And so Satan knows that. He hates it. And then finally, when we live the life of Christ, that moral ethic that the world so desperately desires to see but can't see. You know, remember the scripture that we read, Psalms um, chapter uh, uh, 4 and verse 6, where it says, People are saying, who will show us any good? And the psalmist's prayer is what? Lord, turn thy face toward me. I love that. Literally, show me thy presence. So why? We can show people the good. People really want to see the good. I believe in large part that's why Brad and Melinda are now brothers and sisters in Christ. Brad was seeking for the truth. And when someone finally interfaced with him and began to speak uh, in regards to truth as he was seeking it and realizing the Bible had everything, he was drawn. And so really, I think this presence uh, uh, theme this year, hated by the devil. But you know what? I'm going to do my utmost to make sure that we get the lessons and that they come from the Word of God, and they're empowering and encouraging for you. Because when we rise up as a mighty army, it doesn't matter how dark it gets, the light shiner, brighter, and you know, you know what I meant, and uh, you know, <laughs> shinier or brighter, whatever I meant. The, the, light, the light extinguishes the darkness. You don't go on into your room and flick on the darkness. You don't do that. You turn on the light and the darkness flees. Well, see, that's what this is really all about. And the power that we now have, even in greater measure, I pray that I can share with you this evening. So the scriptures, let's turn there. And that wasn't even my introduction, sorry. Now you know why I was long-winded this morning. Uh, turn to the book of Acts and chapter 3. <laughs> Ken's going, uh-oh. <laughs> Uh, Acts chapter 3 and verse 19. Uh, Thank you, Ken. You're you're a good man. I appreciate you. (laughs) Yeah, she's my wife. She can do that. All right, verse 19. Acts chapter 3, verse 19. This is a second response by Peter after having preached a gospel sermon. He says, Therefore repent and Return, literally, repent and be immersed so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. I love that word refreshing. Here's a question I have based upon that. When you walk into the room, is your life a refreshing breath of fresh air to those around you? Or is it the stench of the old man? Uh, Which one is it? 
I mean, if the presence of God is in you and you recognize that presence and you allow God's presence to flow through you, His glory, who do they see? Who do they hear? Who do they experience? Who do they smell, as we're about to learn tonight? Well, it's Jesus Christ, how important that is. And so when Christ is in you, uh, you bring freshness to people's lives. And would you agree, brethren, that now, more than ever, people need the freshness of the, the power and the life of Jesus Christ. You know, I went and got some toilet paper the other day, just yesterday at, at the Safeway, and I got there at six in the morning, and I, and, uh, I wasn't the first in the parking lot, but I figured because the parking lot was getting full, I'd pull up, I'd get out of my car, and man, as soon as I opened my door, everybody else's door opened up, and I, and I casually walked to the door, and, and was standing there, and the lady goes, I think they're gonna open the other door first. I said, well, they do, they do. And so they opened the door and I walked in and people were running in and grabbing carts and I went down and, and people were like, ah, they're like bug-eyed, you know, crazy-eyed. <laughs> you know, it's like, wow, okay. So uh, I mosey on in and, and uh, the, they had two boxes of toilet paper and the shelves were cleaned out and the ladies were handing out one uh, per person. And I went up and I said, thank you. So I'm a little bit embarrassed I'm not in the, the horde, but uh, I'm only going to need one today. And she smiled. And But everybody else was, can I have two? And uh, wow, it's crazy. People need to see the life and the hope. You know, our hope is not in toilet paper. I'm, I'm telling you what. It's really not. You know, well, you know, there might be desperate times in the future, but still, it's not our hope. And so... Really, right now, to be refreshing in people's lives is to live the life and to have the faith and the confidence that God is in control. God is on the throne. God is the one that's going to work in us and through us. And uh, we need to recognize that. Winston Churchill said that many think this is our darkest hour during the Battle of Britain. And honestly, if you know anything about history, they were just days away from collapse. And uh, because of uh, uh, a mistake, a human mistake, uh, Hitler changed his whole game plan from bombing the airfields to bombing London. And you know what Winston Churchill said? This, this, my friends, will be our finest hour. And because when it was the darkest, he said, we will never, 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 never give up. It was their finest hour. You see, we need to recognize that in Christ Jesus, when the darkness comes, it can be our finest hour because Christ is able through us to make it the finest hour. And so, we need to recognize, brethren, that Christ in us empowers us to bring the freshness and the life to a world that's dead and seemingly gone crazy. Where is your hope? My hope, our hope, is built on nothing less than the covenant of Jesus Christ. Amen? All right. Well, let's look at another Bible verse uh, before we really get started, and that's Romans in chapter 5 and verse 1. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> I don't know if this has happened to you, but it has happened to me. I have become much more reflective every morning in my 
Bible reading and in my prayer time. I've missed my brother Kirk here the last couple weeks, but it sounds like we're getting back together again tomorrow. Uh, boy, this passage of Scripture, I always kind of dismissed a little bit, and I have to be honest, the reason I dismissed it is because one of those verses I championed as a Baptist when I was confused and uh, misled. But you know what? When I was reading my daily reading, and I came across this one, I went, you know what? This is a perfect verse, a perfect verse for this lesson tonight, the power of God's presence in us. And you're going to see why I think it's the perfect verse. Beginning in verse 1, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we exalt in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exalt in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. And perseverance, proven character. People can see the character of Christ in us. Proven character. And proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint. Now get a load of this. The last phrase is the most important. Because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. The fullness of God's love is in you and me. God poured His love into your heart when He gave you the Holy Spirit. And how much of the Spirit did God give you? Did He give you 5%, 1%? Well, there's millions of Christians. Did He give you a millionth of a part of the Spirit? No, He gave you the fullness of deity in your body. So the fullness of love is in your body. And that's what the world really needs to see. Love for each other first and love for the lost next. Because love for the lost is not going to be believed if we don't love each other as Christ has loved us. And so, brethren, I love this passage of Scripture. Even in tribulation, we can rejoice and exult because we know that if we have our metal tested and we prove true in faith, that our character will be borne out in how we respond to what's going on around us. And as we live the life of Christ, we're going to be truly compassionate and concerned about others' well-being. And we will do whatever we can to show them the love that Jesus Christ has poured out into our hearts. Amen? And I'll tell you what, that's what changes the world. It's really the love of Jesus Christ manifested in us and through us. Well, let's begin this evening then and uh, uh, take a look at the first point, power of His presence, His Spirit in us. We've seen this before, but I want to help you understand a few verses that have befuddled me, but just recently I've discovered, you know what? There's no mystery in these verses. Look at Romans in chapter 8. What a beautiful passage of Scripture. We all know Romans chapter 8 and verse 9. Of course, I think many of us have it memorized. However, you are not in the flesh. And he's talking to Christians now. Remember, we our flesh has been crucified in Christ. You know, when our, our new brother in Christ back there, John, was immersed, the old John was crucified, and the man that came forth from that water grave was a new man, a new creation, empowered with the love of God and uh, and, and through the Spirit. And so when we take a look at this, 
He's talking about, he's talking to Christians. He says, however, you Christian are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Sadly, that's where I oftentimes stopped. Because I was confused by verse 10 and verse 11 that seemed to contradict themselves. But guess what? They are not contradictory. They actually work beautifully together. Are you ready? The Spirit of Christ is in you. Look at verse 10. Verse 10 says, If Christ is in you, if you're a Christian, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. Here's my confusion. Wait a minute. My physical body's dead? No, it's not. It's alive. But you know what? We have to recognize and understand something. I'm either going to use these as weapons of evil or weapons of righteousness. God allows us the power once we're Christians to determine if we're going to use these as weapons of evil or weapons of righteousness. Our bodies are to be members of our bodies are to become weapons of righteousness. And so we get the choice. But you know what? If we don't know we have that choice, we're always going to default back to the what? The old stinking thinking. We will. If we don't know who we are in Christ, we'll always default back to the old man, the selfish man. We'll run down to Walmart every morning and we'll get as many packages of toilet paper as possible. We'll push people out of the way to get them. That's the old stinking thinking old man. We need to recognize and understand, brethren, that this scripture is talking about as a Christian, you are alive in the Spirit and your body now can be made alive. Look at verse 11. Look at verse 11. But at the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your what? Your mortal body. Your body now can manifest Zoe, not bio. Bio is the rat race. Oh, got to get up, get a job so I can have food in a house so I can clothe myself and die. Wow, what a bummer of a life. Okay, hopefully that's not me. So the interesting thing is Zoe is the abundant life that God has called all humans to, but very few, even those who are Christians, get it. Why? Because they always default to the stinking thinking. Now let me share with you a story. I shared it this morning, and I, maybe one of you in here is the very one that was talking to me. Um, you know, I belong to Springfield Chamber of Commerce, and uh, we have door prizes, and uh, we get tickets, and uh, I happen to win a door prize. And uh, you'd be shocked to know that I won a basket full of beer and mugs. <laughs> wow, great. Uh, it's still in the trunk of my car. I'm still delivering. What am I supposed to do with it? I'm going to throw it alongside the road. I, I don't want to give it to somebody necessarily. I don't know. Sharon said she could cook something with it. There you go. Because it cooks all the alcohol and it tastes like whatever. Okay, whatever. So, uh, uh, but, but also in that basket, there were four lottery tickets. Yeah. Oh. Okay. And I don't even know. I'm embarrassed. I don't even know what to do with them. Do you scratch them? Do you sniff them? Do you, what do you do with them? I mean, seriously, I don't have a clue. And so I'm thinking, I'm thinking, what if I'm a bazillionaire? You know, and honestly, honestly, I could be. 
right? I, I could be, but I don't know it. Here's the key. If one of those tickets has a mega bazillion dollar Powerball something, okay, and I never go and scratch it or sniff it or do whatever I do with it, I'll still be as poor as I am right now, even though I'm a millionaire. That's how it is with Christianity. And I know that's a very poor example, and some people might go, oh, talk about gambling. I'm just using it as an example. The point is, you are what? Infinitely powerful in Christ. But if you don't know that, you're just a little flea wimp that the devil can like that. We need to understand that the spirit within us, he is able to empower us. Remember, he who is in us is infinitely greater than he's in the world. Who's in you? Christ. He's infinitely greater than he who is in the world. The devil has no power over you, only but what you give him. And you don't have to give him any. Jesus was fully human. And remember what he did to the devil? Every time the devil kept calling, pew, pew. I just I love to see it. Spiritual. Just flicking him. Just driving him nuts. He ain't got nothing on me. And then finally, pew, he kicked him out. Praise God. He had the power as a human being. So do we. The Bible says, just as Jesus on the cross crushed the head of Satan, so the Bible says, as we walk by faith, we too shall, this is in the Bible, Christian, we too shall crush the head of the devil in this life. When we immersed Brad and Melinda into Christ, guess what we collectively, together as a body of Christ, loving them, sharing with them, helping them, encouraging them, teaching them, what did we do? We kicked the devil out of their lives. We kicked in the, the gates of hell. The gates of hell cannot prevail against the church of the living God. And we went in by the power of God and we were able to snatch them out. Praise God. We have a brother John with us today because of the same thing. Praise God. Power of God's Spirit in us. We'll take a look at Galatians 4. It's beautiful. Galatians 4. I want you to know that God chose you. God chose you. I, I can't even imagine what it would be like to be an orphan. Some of you know I was just in Belarus and two little orphan children. I have pictures of them in my phone. Nellie. Nellie uh, looks like the little girl I met the very first time I was in Belarus in an orphanage. And I wanted to adopt her. They still won't allow... Americans to adopt those children. But you know what? I would choose her and I'd love her like my own. God chose you and He does love you as His own. He bought you with the precious blood of His Son. He, you are an adopted child of God. He chose you. God happened to choose uh, Andrew and, and uh, Ryan and Jacob for me. But uh, boy, if I could choose Nellie and her little brother uh, Alexi, I would choose them. And I would love them like my own. And that's what God did for you and me. See? 
It's amazing. Look at this. Galatians in chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that He might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Because you are sons. You are daughters of God. God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. He's poured out the fullness of His love into our hearts through the Spirit that we might cry out to Him, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave but a son, and if a son, then heir through God. God chose you, and He filled you with His Spirit. You're His precious daughter, His precious son, and He loves you more than life itself. Is that true? And so, the power that He's given to you is to be given to others. The love that He's given is not to be held on to, but to be shared with others. Look at 1 John in chapter 4, and then we're going to finish this point. And this is an obvious one, and we've done this one before, but we must do it once again. John chapter 4, verse 11 through 13, and I'd encourage you to read all of John chapter uh First uh, John chapter four is amazing, but look, look at verse eleven. It says here, "Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another." No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and His love is perfected in us. Notice His love is in us and is perfected in us so that we might manifest that. By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us because He has given us of His Spirit. The Spirit of God is in us. The fullness of His love is in us. That causes us then to turn to point number two. God's love is present in our lives. And we got to see what that actually looks like. 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians in, in chapter 5. <clears throat> now this is a very uh, common passage that everybody uh, around here seems to love, and I do too, and for good reason. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and uh, uh, take a look at verse 14. Beautiful. Verse 14 uh, and 15. It says here, for the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all, so that they who live, now get a load of this, so that they who live, that's you and I, might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. We're not supposed to live for ourselves anymore. We're supposed to live for Jesus Christ. And remember what Jesus said? When you've done it unto the least of these, you've what? You've done it unto me. Man, we need to love in small and big ways. And you know, love is not saying I love you. Talk's cheap. How many times have we experienced, unfortunately, people uh, swearing their unfeigned affection for us and then we find out that we're pulling daggers out of our backs. Right? The same people. And yet, when people truly love, they're going to do they're going to act. They're going to be. And they're going to be present. And so, brethren, we can be that for each other. And when we're that for each other, remember what Jesus said? They will know that you are disciples. Jesus said this. He said, they outside will know that you are my disciples if you have love 
for one another. And of course, if we have love for one another, just as we have experienced, and I know John has experienced this, and, and I, I believe Pat has too, and, and the McKinney's, the genuine love that we have here for people is the genuine love of Jesus Christ. Now, I get up here and I dance around and I get excited, but many of you know that I'm constantly in the trenches doing the, the hard work of love behind the scenes. But I want to help you to be encouraged that every one of us has a part. You see, Melinda has a great relationship with many of you ladies. Pat has a great relationship with many of you ladies. And not that I don't have a great relationship with Pat, but I think Pat probably has a better relationship with you ladies than she does me. Because I like hanging out with her husband. You know? <laughs> Cutting wood and, you know, telling stories and showing pictures and stuff. And, uh, well, the point is this, is that the genuine love is what brings people in. It's the genuine love that draws people. Not churchianity, not cosmetic Christianity, but true, genuine love. And that's what's been poured out in our hearts. And now we can pour it out into other people's hearts. You see, a stream can rise no higher than its source. You can't give what you don't have. And you do have it, brethren, in full measure. You need to know that. That's what makes you powerful. That's what makes you a great contender for Jesus Christ. Look at the next verse. You know this one also very, very well. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1 and 2. Uh, how often I use this. And uh, I'm sorry, Scott, if there's a groaner, I think this might be a groaner too, but I think it's one of the greatest verses, honestly. I love this verse. And I just, I just can't get enough of it. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. We are his adopted sons and daughters. How much more should we uh, love him because he chose us out of this horrible dark place? Look at verse 2. And walk in love just as exactly like Christ also loved you. How? He gave himself up uh, uh, for us. An offering and a sacrifice to God as a sweet aroma. Man, I'm telling you what, love, when it's done right, touches the heart. Love, when it's done right, renders the heart open to hear the truth because people know it's genuine. You're not, you're not making it up. See? And people know, by the way, if you're on the take or not. They know. So if you're genuine, guess what ends up happening? That sweet aroma of Christ draws people. Now, how many of you have heard this concept of the sweet aroma of Christ before? I want you to go to the my memory passage uh, the last couple of days, and I want to encourage you to write this passage down. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 through 17. I want you, if you would be willing, to memorize that passage of Scripture with me. The sweet aroma of the love of Christ manifested in us. Man, I love this passage. Listen to this passage. Remember, we just read a passage that said that the love of Jesus Christ and His sacrifices is a sweet aroma to God and it's also a sweet aroma to people when we lay our lives down to help people. Here we go. 2 Corinthians and chapter... Oh, by the way, this is a, a freebie and uh, I'm not charging you at all for this one. It's not in the notes, so you want to write it down. And I do pray you'll memorize it. Powerful passage of Scripture. Here it is. 
But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma. Manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of Him in every place. Verse 15. For we are, we are a fragrance of Christ. Now notice, we don't have to be a fragrance of Christ. You have to be a fragrance of Christ or you're going to hell. That's, what? You have to put on Christ out of life. No, you, that's who you are. You are the sweet aroma of Christ. Bear out the name and the life of Jesus Christ. Own it because that's who you are. He bought you. So what does it say here? But we are a sweet aroma of Christ to God among those who are per- who are who are being saved and among those who are perishing. Now to the one an aroma from death to death, to the other an aroma from life to life. And who is adequate for these things? I love that question. Who's adequate? Only the one who's been filled with the love of Christ. The only one that's adequate. Who's that? That's you, Pam. Pam, even before you were a Christian, and I don't know if there ever was a day, and I know there was when you were a kid, uh, when you grew up and got kind of gnarly for a while. I don't even, I can never, I can never even see you being that way, Pam, but I know it happened. But Pam, you, you were so sweet. You, I've never seen, a, I've never ever seen a mean bone in your body, ever, period. See? Isn't that true? How many get an amen on that one? Amen. Never. I know, I know, man. And your daughter, man, she was. Your daughter was watching. She is a sweet gal too. Sometimes I have to take Brian's. I'm going. Do you know what you got? He does. Praise God. But you know, when we're thinking about this, the sweet aroma of the love of God, it really touches the heart. And who's adequate? Well, Pam's adequate because she's filled with the Spirit of Christ. But so is Tanya. So is Scott. See? So is Jeff. We, we are adequate. By that word, by the way, that word doesn't mean like, well, you're, you just made the minimum. It doesn't mean that. It means we're full. We're complete. We are adequate for the job. And the job is huge. And we got everything that we need for the job right now. Do you believe it? Well, look at the last verse. For we, are not like many, that's a sad commentary, that little phrase. We are not like many peddling the word of God, but as from sincerity, but as from God, we speak in Christ in the sight of God. We are not like many peddling the word of God. I resisted getting business cards. I resisted, I resisted, I resisted. And then finally, I wanted people to know about our podcast so they could start listening to these things. And so I got one. Okay? And the funniest thing was, is there's a guy down at the Springfield Chamber, and uh, he goes, hey, I, I asked for forgiveness from the group. I got a little zealous about this cap-and-trade thing, you know, and uh, I kind of stole the stage for a little bit longer than I should have. You know, I can kind of get off on, get excited. Anyway, so I, uh, I realized I didn't do it right, and so... I, I stood up and I asked the, the, I almost said congregation. I asked, I asked the, the people there, I said, look, you know what? I get excited. I'm concerned about every single working person in Oregon. 
I got a little excited. And you know what? If you want to talk about it, we can do that privately. But I just want to say I kind of stole the show and I shouldn't have done that. This is for networking, not for uh, Bill Compton proclaiming economic truth. So would you forgive me? Well, in a group of business people, I thought I was going to be a lamb to the slaughter. Several people came up to me afterwards and said, man, that was, that was pretty classy what you did. I said, I wouldn't have done it, but it's pretty cool you did, you know. <laughs> yes, I said, I hate the taste of crow, you know. <laughs> but anyway, this one guy said, hey, you know, we need to do breakfast or lunch or something. And I said, well, that sounds great. His name is Scott Law. And when things started to kind of shake out a little bit, there's a bunch of things that I needed to kind of get in order. When I say shake out, you know, the craziness that started to happen. I wanted to make sure there were some things in order so that I could stand and deliver, right? And so I called him up and I said, or I texted him because uh, it was really early in the morning. I said, hey, you know what? Can we reschedule our lunch date? Hey, my real work <laughs> has, has kind of taken me away a little bit. So could we do that? And he goes, yeah, no, no problem. I want to know what this real work is. What do you do? And I said, it's a long journey and a long story. And so we need to share over lunch. Okay. I don't want to tell him I'm a preacher right like that because what's the picture you get in your head of a preacher? You know what I'm going to ask him? I'm going to ask him, based upon what you've seen in me and you know how I live and what I say, what do you think I am? I want to see what he says. See? And then I'll say, if, when he answers, I'll tell him. And then I'm going to tell him, and you know what I tell people, you watch me and see. If my life is not the substance of what I say. Unfortunately, that's not the case for most. But we need to be the substance. Finally, let's close with Romans chapter 5. We started in Romans 5. We're going to finish in chapter 5 in this amazing passage about love. And notice the substance here. Are you ready? How do we know that Jesus loved us? How do we know that Jesus loves us? How? Well, the sacrifice, his constant sacrifice. Here we go. Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 6, and we'll finish here tonight. Romans 5, beginning in verse 6. For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us. This is God's love. He demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Can we own that verse? Can we own that verse, brethren? If we are the embodiment of Christ, we need to die to self and we need to reach out and help other people in the sacrifice of love. It is a sweet aroma and people will know it's true. Amen? Well, let's read on. Much more than having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation. And you want to know what the ministry of reconciliation looks like? It looks like loving people with the love of Jesus Christ and making sacrifices and getting to know them and listening and then drawing near to them and helping them come to a right understanding of God. I want to close tonight with this. We're not going to do this tonight, 
but I want you to consider doing this this week. I've changed up the backside a little bit. We don't have the pit pit preachers until things settle down and we get back to what we would call relatively normal. But I want you to really, I really want you to consider the things that were shared tonight. Look at number one, practical application on the back. After reviewing this lesson, and I'd hope you go back and look at all the Bible verses, what are you going to do differently or better next week? What are you going to do differently or what are you going to do better? If you're loving people now, how are you going to love people better? If you're hating on people now, how are you going to change? <laughs> okay? Look at, look at the next one. Brainstorm. Timely, practical, specific acts of love to show the presence of Christ in and through your life. Timely. In other words, people need this act of love. Practical. They, they receive it. They can see it. They can feel it. And they appreciate it. And specific acts of love. Obviously, for each individual. That goes to the next one. Look at number three. Who in your life needs to experience in a real and practical, in real practical ways, the presence of the love of Christ through your life? Who in your life right now needs this? Be that for them. Finally, presence is much more than physical presence. We may not be able to physically come together, but that doesn't mean we can't be present in each other's lives on a consistent basis. Amen? Pick up the telephone. I've had people say, well, you didn't call me. <laughs> the telephone? Do you have a phone in your house? Well, you can call me. <laughs> so pick up the phone. So, uh, so more than physical presence, it is thoughtful cognitive presence, thinking about, uh, you know, putting ourselves into that person's life, personal emotional presence, moral and motive presence. Give channels or tools, I should say, uh, you could use and will use uh, to be present in people's lives. You know how important this is? As the devil's trying to separate us, social distancing. Wow, we are social beings. Look at you. You're all breaking the law for the most part. Come on. Like, I was thinking, I am not sitting six feet away from my wife. I'm sorry. And I'm not going to not hug Brian Bragg. Sorry. You know, I'm not sorry. The point is, is that the devil wants to separate us. That's his business. Sick. Okay? We need to be about the business of being present. If we can't be present physically, then we need to be present in prayer, and we need to be present in calling cards, whatever you do on the social media stuff. Do it for the saints, okay? Anyway, enough said. Let's pray. I know that's a poor conclusion, but I think you, I, I think you got the point and the time has come. <laughs> Father, thank you so much for your great love and your great word. And thank you for the brethren here. Wow, what a sweet family we have. And I'm so thankful for that. The brethren coming together this morning was a sweet experience as well. And I pray, Father, we would take to heart the word that we have heard and we would live what we have been called to live and be the people that you have made us to be. That we would be the sweet aroma of the sacrifice of your love to you and to those around us, Father, for that's what we have been created to be and to do. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. All right. Woohoo! Thanks once again for listening. To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, please go to www 
cornerstonetruth.org or email us at thecornerstonetruth at gmail.com. Have a blessed week.